Welcome to CalCast, your creator national podcast. Network News, episode 156. Welcome, GNN fans, to another episode of God Network News, the podcast that tells you what God's doing around the world, not what CNN tells you, but what GNN tells you is going on in the world. If you're tired of listening to all of that crisis network news and you want to hear what God's doing, well, give us a listen. Greetings, God Network News fans, to another great series that we'll be doing on movements for these next few weeks. We've got some exciting podcasts that have been recorded by some colleagues of ours, all on the topics of movements, what makes movement leaders, what makes a movement, all kinds of exciting things. We're going to be focusing a lot on what God's doing in this season of missions, which is movements of peoples, whole people groups to Christ. There's amazing things happening, miracles everywhere. One of our organizations that we are partnering with, 2414, is already monitoring 1,360 movements. And each of these movements have over 56,000 new believers among them. And these are just amongst unreached people groups. So God is up to something really fantastic. And we're going to be looking into this in the next few weeks of our podcast of God Network News. Portions of our podcast will be made up of of rebroadcasted podcast interviews from a friend of ours named Steve Addison. Steve Addison is a great podcaster and very passionate about movements of peoples to Christ. And Steve has his own podcast, very successful podcast, with over 226 podcast episodes. And the name of his podcast is On the Road to No Place Left. And we highly recommend that you subscribe to his podcast because he has an overwhelming library of exciting topics related to movements. And if you want to learn more about movements, this is the place to find the information. And he has lots of training and tools and other resources that will really make your investigation of this topic successful. So we really want to thank Steve Addison and his partners there at movements.net forward slash podcast. That's how you can find it at movements.net forward slash podcast for all of the resources that he has given us for these next few podcasts. Thank you very much, Steve. This next interview is with Curtis Sargent. Curtis, we have known for many years and worked with him on a Media for Movements campaign in the big country of China. We produced a gospel film for the Mandarin-speaking people of China, and it went together with the Jesus film. And from that collaboration, we saw over 10,000 new churches started. So let's get right into the interview with Curtis Sargent. Are there any 
other trends or patterns that you're picking up just as you look across the globe and, and see what God's doing when it, when it comes to multiplying disciples and churches? Um, of course, uh, an exciting recent development is the 2414 Coalition. So, you know, many streams that have common roots, you know, if you go back 20 years or whatever, um, but for a variety of very good reasons have developed, you know, different emphases and, you know, different flavors as it were, um, are kind of coalescing into this coalition in order to seek to have multiplicative approaches used as broadly as possible. So specifically, the goal is to engage every people group in every place with a movement approach by the end of 2025. And specifically, we have 65,000 geographic targets and 65,000 people group targets that we're wanting to see engaged by that time. So um, obviously that's an extremely aggressive goal. Um, and we're not saying movements will actually be happening by then, but that someone will be using these multiplicative methods in every place, in every people group. And so to find out more information about that, you should go to 2414now.net. And if you go to the connect um, pull down menu, so 2414now.net slash connect. Um, there's a little description of sort of what it means to be a part of 2414. And if you're interested in that, you can click, you know, that you're making that commitment and then there'll be a f information form you can fill out and then you'll be connected with appropriate people within the network to sort of take your next step, depending, you know, on the nature of your interest. So that, that's not just for organizations then and mission agencies, it's for individuals who are saying... Absolutely. In fact, I, as you well know, most of the practitioners in the world aren't part of an organization that only does this type of approach. There may be, um, I'm thinking, five or six agencies mm -hmm. where absolutely every person in the organization, that's all they... And that's only what they do. That's all they do. Those, those organizations are limited. But there are many organizations that have individuals within them, you know, that pursue movements and are practitioners. So you, it's possible for an organization to join. But for the most part, it's a coalition of individual practitioners. Okay. And that's uh, 2414 now. now Dot net. Dot net. And that's um, bouncing off Matthew 24, 14. Wait. That's right. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So, yep. I'm just wondering if you have a story from a field somewhere that has really encouraged you recently, where there's been a breakthrough. What's happened among um, Burmese Buddhists has been particularly encouraging because, you know, we've seen multiple 
big breakthroughs among Muslims, multiple big breakthroughs among Hindus, for sure. Multiple big breakthroughs among animists. Mm. Um, and now more and more in Christian background areas, you know, nominal Christian areas. But sort of the big chunk of people groups where the, in a sense, the, the big movements had been pretty scarce was among Buddhists. Um, and so that may be the biggest one among, you know, kind of real Buddhists, uh, which, you know, discounting some that might sort of claim to be Buddhists in China, but they're not in anywhere close really, you know? Um, so to me, that, that was kind of a big one because Buddhism had continued to be somewhat of a tough nut. What, wait, what, what's taking place? Yeah, just, you know, huge numbers of believers, churches, lots of generational growth. And, um, you know, they're reaching other people groups, including, you know, even before all of the problems started with the Rohingya Muslims, uh, including them. So they reached large numbers of, you know, that people group even before all these problems started, which actually helped seed you know, the diaspora from them. So, yeah, it's really encouraging. And are people indicating, um, you know, what what have been the natural factors that have led to this breakthrough, or is it just the mystery of a sovereign God? Um, I haven't talked to the primary leaders about that particular topic, but I could give some guesses that, you know, um, but you know, the, the years of repressive government and things like that and the, you know, resultant poverty, even in the midst of, you know, the part of the country up in the, toward the North where you're in the, golden triangle and just awash with cash that is, uh, you know, pretty much controlled entirely by the drug lords and uh, the right normal people, you know, still suffering from great deprivation. And uh, so, you know, as in many cases we've seen historically, when there's just a huge dissatisfaction with the status quo, you know, people seem to be more ripe for kind of these big movements. Mm. Are, are there any other hot spots that have um, been a pleasant surprise? Well, I I don't know if this is from the Lord, but I think it might be. Is um, I'm feeling prompted to talk a little about, bit about a disappointing spot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, you know, we're all familiar with some amazing movements that have taken place in China. But, um, you know, over the past more than 10 years, um, there's been a really significant fragmenting of the major national house church networks. And um, unfortunately, a byproduct of that has been a, a lessening of coordination of work, um, and specifically 
among some of the unreached and especially the unengaged people groups. So whereas, you know, 12 years ago, say, it looked as if in very short order, the, all the unengaged groups in China would be addressed, that the, these movement approaches would be, you know, efficiently spread and all of that. None of that ended up happening because of the, you know, the severe fragmenting. Our sponsor for today's episode is The Jared Dyson Show, conservative and not ashamed. The Jared Dyson Show gives straightforward conservative news and opinion. Visit their website at thelibertyloft.com forward slash podcast forward slash Jared Dyson Show. Listen and subscribe today. In some senses, I think China needs to come back on our collective radar a bit more. Now, obviously, work is far better off in the urban areas, for example, today than it was back then. So, you know, not everything has, you know, been negative, but a lot of the momentum that we thought was there um, didn't really end up pushing into the darkest corners, you know, to the edges. So that's something that I've noticed lately. Yeah. So there's a challenge then um, for us to, for people of outside of China to stay engaged with what's it going to take to reach those unreached people groups. Yeah, I think there is still a role for the outsiders, which I didn't think would be necessary. You know, if you'd have asked me that 12 years ago, I would have said, no, we can we can put our attention elsewhere, but I think um, they do still need us uh, to some degree to to finish or encourage them to finish that work. Curtis, um, how long have you been on this journey of pursuing multiplication movements? Um, specifically multiplication movements really since 1992, early 1992, um, but kind of the focus on the, the no place left vision really starting in 1980, um, I was a, at an all night prayer meeting and felt a very clear call to that and, uh, started pursuing that and then got involved in the movement, you know, aspect in 92 out of sheer desperation so um, I won't tell the whole story because it's kind of long, but the, the really short version is I was on the ground among an unengaged group that was just extremely unreached and realized that the best case scenario in terms of any type of ministry I'd ever heard of, you know, or seen would take hundreds of years for this people group to be reached and realized that uh, in multiplication approaches, it could be done in, you know, in my lifetime. And uh, so determined right then and there that everything I did from that day on would be focused on only things that could multiply disciples or churches. So uh, that's sort of when I really started the multiplication journey. Okay, that's uh, almost four decades ago. And 
As you look back, what what have you learned about sustaining that commitment over the long the long haul? Well, I think mainly it's a matter of you know staying in tune with God's heart. Um, he certainly doesn't you know lessen his his uh, intention and purpose. And so, you know, I think mainly it's staying in tune with him. And how, how do you do that? Oh, wow. Well, it's um, hopefully many of the things that, um, you know, all practitioners equip every believer in, you know, so um, the, the self-feeding, you know, aspects. So on that, um, I promote people being in accountability groups that each week are reading or listening to large quantities of scripture. And then each day picking a subset of that to, to focus on in terms of, you know, application, passing it on to others, you know, praying about it and so on, uh, as well as what happens in the, the, you know, house church, um, you know, application time, the, you know, prayer with fasting and trying to set aside large chunks of time for prayer, um, including listening prayer, you know, very intentionally, um, having regular accountability for just life issues as well as kind of multiplicative practices um, with a, an accountability partner um, weekly or close to weekly. Um, prayer walking just to keep seeking to grow and my ability to pray without ceasing, you know, which is really what you're seeking to do while you're prayer walking. And, um, you know, continuing to condition myself to try to make that a constant, you know, attitude or habit or posture. Um, the, you know, body life aspects, um, all the one another's and, and functioning, you know, on teams with people with varying gifts and um, one thing I've been trying to not only for myself, but uh, really focusing on um, recently is preparation to um, recognize and respond well to um, persecution and suffering for the sake of Christ. Um, I, I believe there's more in scripture about growing God growing us through that than about how he does through prayer or scripture or body life or any other thing. There's more in scripture, but yet we tend to just look right over it. So um, I recently did a series of blog posts on 40, which is not nearly all of them, but 40 passages that talk about that. And then um, I've put together a little short kind of self-guided persecution training and it's more designed to help because where I'm living now 
is more designed to help Westerners, but it could be helpful for people in happily persecuted areas too, but with very slight adaptation. So trying to um, learn, you know, every year to respond better to, to suffering the Lord does allow and um, capitalize on the benefits that he intends to bring through that. Um, I think another aspect is continually <clears throat> uh, seeking to see the world through two lenses. Um, you know, one being your ongoing relationships, your friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, classmates, and stewarding those relationships well, either if they're non-believers, bringing them to love the Lord, and if they're already believers, discipling them to be more fruitful. And um, then the other lens being, you know, everywhere else with an emphasis on the darkest, the most needy, you know, the least, the last, the lost. Um, And then trying to be intentional about keeping both parts, you know, both lenses active and um, so that I'm, you know, focusing on um, both further discipling those that I've already, you know, been working with and keeping a foot in the harvest You know, because if you ever completely withdraw from one of those, no matter what your gift is, you you will become ineffective over time. You know, you have to keep a foot in both worlds. Um, And we're called to do that. Now, some people are called and gifted where they're putting more weight, you know, on one side than the other, which is fine, and more emphasis and all of that. But we must never, you know detach from either either world no matter what our calling or gifting is and i think that's important to maintaining focus over you know decades enjoyed this episode, please consider donating to help us continue to bring exciting stories fresh from the field. Visit our website at godnetworknews.com and select the PayPal link on the right side of the page or consider becoming a Patreon partner to receive access to more valuable materials exclusive to our members.